0: Numbers chapter Uh, 2, tonight's message about being thankful for God's Word, being thankful for God's Word. And uh, Numbers, as we started that, and then, of course, we were off from Sunday night services for uh, the month of July, Uh, but uh, we did start into Numbers chapter 1, and Numbers is appropriately named because there's a bunch of numbers in the book of Numbers, and we're going to look at some of those numbers tonight. Uh, Beginning with uh, Numbers chapter 2, Beginning in verse 1, it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses and to Aaron, saying, Every man of the children of Israel shall pitch by his own standard with the ensign of their father's house far off about the tabernacle of of the congregation shall they pitch. All right. So by way of introduction, Numbers chapter 2 is basically a recap of Numbers chapter 1. I don't expect you to remember from a month ago when we were talking about Numbers chapter 1. But anyway, it's basically a recap. And so today we will revisit the census. Uh, Numbers chapter 1 was a census. They were counting everybody. Again, there's numbers. And so we revisit that same idea from chapter 2. You probably don't remember, and I didn't either, but the purpose of that census from chapter 1 and also here from chapter 2, number 1 was to prepare for war. You should know how many soldiers, how many people you got, and so preparing for war. Secondly, to show God's superiority over the nations, as it turns out, Israel was going, have a, was going to have a lot smaller army than the rest of the nations of the world. Doesn't matter. Uh, you, uh, you and God are a majority, right? And so uh, that was fine. The third reason for the census was to confirm God's promise to Abraham. Abraham said, you're going to be a great nation. Well, that just started out with Abraham and his barren wife. And now they're counting all these people in Numbers chapter 1 and chapter 2, and there's a whole bunch of people. But why count the people? Didn't God know the numbers already? Well, yes, but this was for Israel's benefit, that they could count everybody and say, okay, we're preparing for war. We know how many we got. Uh, And they would later learn God's superiority over the nations. And they would certainly see the confirmation of God's promise to Abraham. But today, in addition to revisiting the census, we are going to search for additional meaning in the numbers of Numbers chapter 2. But it's all about being thankful for God's word. So we start with, be thankful that we have God's word. Be thankful that we have God's word. If you notice in verse 1, God spoke to Moses, who faithfully recorded God's message. It says the Lord spoke to Moses. And this is what he said. And we, of course, have it in front of us. So we know that Moses wrote it down. This is a gracious act of God. God speaking to Moses, who faithfully recorded God's message. This is a gracious act of God. God did not have to give Moses his word. He wanted to. And he graciously gave his word to Moses in this case. He gave his word to, you know, in the New Testament to Peter and Paul and all of that. But anyway, in this case, he graciously gave his word to Moses. And God speaks to us. God speaks to us, first of all, through what Moses wrote. Not only that, but God speaks to us through what some 40 other inspired men wrote down in what we now call the Bible. Once again, Every book of the Bible, as we see is the Word of God, this is a gracious act of God. God didn't have to give us His Word. He wanted to. He wanted to reveal Himself to us. Be thankful. He didn't have to reveal Himself to you. He didn't have to reveal Himself to me. He could have just stayed off in heaven and done His own thing. But He chose to reveal Himself to you and to me. And we are privileged not only to receive the Word of God, we are privileged to distribute the Word of God. It is a privilege to own a copy of the Bible, God's Word. Be thankful that you do, that you own a copy of God's Word. Most have multiple copies. I don't know about you. I, I, I have four copies that I use on a regular basis in my office. But I have many more copies than that on my shelves, different versions, and you know, one in Greek and one in Hebrew, and I got all kind of stuff in there. Uh, some people in the world still don't have a copy of God's Word. And for those that could have a copy of God's Word, they couldn't read it if they wanted to. Where we were in Panama, we learned that this these Indian tribe, there was the, the uh, Wunan tribe. I was calling them the Wu Wuhan. I that's the wrong word. That's the, that's the Chinese thing. But uh, the Wunan tribe and the Embera tribe, they have the Word of God written in their language. That they don't read. They can read some, but they don't want to. But we have, it is a privilege to not only own a copy of God's Word, but to be able to read. It is a privilege to own it, and it is a responsibility that we have to distribute the Word of God. Verbally, like by telling others, just like uh, Gary was talking about earlier in Sealy, and physically. Not only does our church distribute Bibles, and usually Dean's involved in that somewhere, uh, but our church does distribute copies of the Word of God. But I like the organization, the Gideons. I invited them to come this year, but something happened. They weren't able to make it. But hopefully they'll be here next year. But they just give out, and they've done it uh, since the turn of the century, just giving out copies of the Word of God. There's not too many hotels you can go into Their cruise ships. You don't open the drawer, and there it is. And it says, placed here by the Gideons. It is our privilege to own a copy of God's Word. It is our responsibility To distribute it. So be thankful we have God's word. But secondly, be thankful we can understand God's word. The infinite God is incomprehensible to finite humanity like us. I mean, how is the infinite God supposed to uh, be able to show us who he is? And yet he revealed himself in a form we could understand. The written word. This is how he chose, in the context of tonight's message, this is how God chose to reveal himself to us uh, through the written word. Not only is having a copy of the Word of God a special privilege, but being able to read it is a special gift from God. Reading is an amazing ability that most of us take for granted. Again, while we were in Panama, I don't read Spanish. I'm going somewhere that speaks French next time. I could strike up a conversation with somebody in French, but uh, in in uh, what was that stuff in Spanish? I mean, I was lost. The road signs. Uh, went to a store. I didn't know what anything was. I couldn't communicate, very frustrating, but being able to read is a special gift from God, something else for which we should be thankful. And being able to read the Word of God is a blessing indeed. There's a lot of good things to read out there, but there is nothing better, nothing more important than the very Word of God. What a special uh, gift we have, a special blessing we have of God that we can have His Word and read His Word. But let's be honest, even when we read the Bible, we sometimes have trouble, don't we? You read it, you're like, wait a second, let me read that again, and you go back over it, and it still doesn't make sense, and you read it in another version, and another version maybe, and uh, we still have trouble, even when we do read it. But thankfully, God has given us leaders to help us understand, be thankful for the leaders God has given us. And of course, uh, the, the obvious one from the local church would be the pastor or Sunday school teachers, but even beyond that, I mean, there's... People on TV and the radio, people write books. And, I mean, there's just so many leaders out there to help us understand the Word of God. Uh, certainly the central message of the Word of God is easy-peasy. I mean, you know, repent and receive Christ as your Savior and you go to heaven. That's that's the whole message of the Bible in a nutshell. But there's a lot more to it than that. And when we get in those confusing spots, uh, that's why our leaders come in to help us Straighten things out. Be thankful for uh, the spiritual leaders that help you understand the word of God. But I wonder, too, just how many understand the word of God, just don't obey it. I was talking about that this morning. So many, uh, they'll read it, they understand, they know exactly what it says. Because most of the Bible is crystal clear. Uh, even though there are some spots, as I mentioned. But so many people read it, they understand it, they know what they're supposed to do or what they're not supposed to do. And They disobey. What we're going to see here in Numbers chapter 2 is that when God told Moses and Aaron what to do, the people complied, they heard the word of God and they obeyed. And that's what we're supposed to do. Hear what God says and do it. Or don't do it as the case may be. The infinite God is incomprehensible to finite humanity, yet he revealed himself in a form we could understand, the written word, and he came to us in a form we could understand. He came as a human being, what we call the Incarnation. And Jesus didn't come as this grown man. He came as a helpless baby. Maybe so we wouldn't be afraid. Nobody's afraid of a baby. I'm afraid of diapers, but I'm not afraid of babies. Who's afraid of a baby? And that's how God came to us, as a baby. Now, yes, he grew up into a man, but he came in a very helpless, very non-threatening form so that we could understand. Well, let's try to understand tonight the arrangement of the camp of Israel. If you look in verse 17, the tabernacle was to be in the center, surrounded by the Levites. So let's read that. It says, then the tabernacle of the congregation shall set forward with the camp of the Levites in the midst of the camp, the middle. As they encamp, so shall they set forward every man in his place by their standards. And so we see the tabernacle was to be in the center and then surrounded by the Levites. The other 12 tribes were to be organized into four groups of three each. And they were to camp under the standard of their lead tribe. Now the standard being the flag or the banner. So there were four lead tribes. Look at verse 3. Judah was the first. It said, on the east side, toward the rising of the sun, shall they of the standard of the camp of Judah pitch throughout their armies. So that's Judah. And then the next one, verse 10, Reuben. It says there, on the south side shall be the center of the camp of Reuben, according to their armies. And then look in verse 18, Ephraim. It says there, on the west side shall be the center of the camp of Ephraim, according to their armies. And then verse 25 tells us about Dan. It says that the standard of the camp of Dan shall be on the north side. So we got north, east, south, and west. Within the lead tribes, the individual tribes were to be organized under their ensigns, their family crest. I read verse 2, but let me read it again. Maybe it will make more sense now. And these are the names of the sons of Aaron. Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot to flip the page. Excuse me. Every man of the children of Israel shall pitch by his own standard with the ensign of their father's house. Far off about the tabernacle of the congregation shall they pitch. All right. So you've got the Levites in – you've got the tabernacle in the center. You've got the Levites around the tabernacle. Then you got the four lead tribes, Judah to the east, Reuben to the south, Ephraim to the west, Dan to the north. Within the lead tribes, the individual tribes were to be organized under their family crests. Let me show you a picture, but this appears to be a picture of the throne of heaven. Everybody go to Revelation 4-7. Revelation 4-7. And while you're turning there, I'm always very hopeful that this thing will work. Revelation chapter 4. I can't find it either. I still hear your pages going there. This is describing the throne of God in heaven. It says, and the first beast was like a lion, the second beast like a calf, the third beast had the face as a man, and the fourth beast was like a flying eagle. Well, if you look at this diagram that I have here, this is what's described in Numbers chapter 2. You've got the tabernacle in the middle. You've got the Levites around the tabernacle. And then, uh, as you see the, the cardinal points there, uh, you've got uh, Judah, which is a lion. You've got uh, Dan, which is an eagle. You've got Ephraim, which is an ox. And you've got Reuben, which is a man. Well, this is what's described for us in Numbers chapter 2. And so the camp of Israel seemed to be a picture of the throne of God in heaven. Now, did the Israelites know that? I'm sure they didn't. I'm sure they didn't have any idea. That wasn't revealed too much later on. But the fact of the matter, we see the consistency of God. He has his people camping out in the wilderness in the form of the throne room in heaven. So I find that to be very interesting. So be thankful we have God's word. Be thankful we can understand God's word. And be thankful we can trust God's word. God inspired his word. 2 Timothy 3.16 says all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it's profitable for doctrine, for proof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Now, the word inspiration there, God inspired his word, or all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Uh, You know that means God breathed. God breathed. God did not physically write the words that we have in the Bible, but God inspired human writers to pen his words. And because God inspired his word, it is absolutely true in every respect. It is truth without any mixture of error. Be thankful for that. That'd be horrible if we had the Word of God, but it had a bunch of mistakes in it. And we couldn't really trust it. Well, it seems to say this, but I don't know. It says something else over here. and There's contradictions and there's stuff crossed out. I mean, that would be horrible that we could not trust the very Word of God. But that's not the case. God inspired it, and so it is truth without any mixture of error. Be thankful. And though the men were fallible who wrote it down, God is not. God ensured that His Word was preserved God's Word is trustworthy I said this a couple weeks ago Uh, this is not a history book but it is accurate when it addresses history this is not a science book but it is accurate when it addresses science and because of that you can believe and apply every word of the word to your life when it comes to the Gideons as I mentioned earlier the Gideons are not just offering free books and when we pass out Bibles we're not just offering free books We are offering and passing out God's word of absolute truth. God's word of absolute truth. There are no mistakes. There are no contradictions. The word of God is not defective or deficient in any way. You know, when free stuff, when you get free stuff, a lot of times it is. Somebody gives you something for free, there's probably something wrong with it, right? I mean, that's just the way it sort of goes. Not so when you give somebody a free copy of God's Word. You're not giving them some second-hand thing. You're not giving them something that's got problems and mistakes. You're giving them the absolute truth, the very Word of God. Be thankful we can trust God's Word. God inspired His Word. We see a consistent message of God's Word. The Bible has but one central message. It's all about one thing. God's love for His people and His plan of redemption, which is rooted... In his love. It's all about God's love. That's the whole message of the entire Bible. And I want you to note what the numbers tell us here about the camp of Israelites. The four groups of three tribes each were to be placed at cardinal compass points around the tabernacle. If you notice that, like uh, what I read in verse 3, it says on the east side, that's where Judah goes. And as we looked at each one in verse 10, on the south side and then down in verse 17, Uh, or was it, no, on the west side, verse 18, and then down in verse 25, uh, I've already forgotten what the fourth one is, on the north side. And so the four groups of three tribes each were to be placed at cardinal compass points around the tabernacle. Now, in order to be precise concerning the compass points, each group could only be as wide as the Levites who surrounded the tabernacle. Why? Because otherwise, the groups might be to the northeast or the southwest. God didn't say put them to the northeast, southwest. He put them... He said, put them north, east, south, and west. And so because of that, wherever the Levites were, as wide as they were, these other tribes could only be as wide as the Levites, so that they would be at the four cardinal points of the compass. Strict interpretation of Numbers chapter 2 requires us to see here due north, due east, due south, due west. And since the groups could not expand in width, they would have to do so in length. When you analyze all these numbers, this is what it looks like. Israel apparently camped in the shape of a cross. Isn't that amazing? Now, it's not exact. If you notice, you know, the cross beam there, it's not exact. But, hey, you get the, you get the idea. This is how they camped. But this only works with a strict interpretation of east, northeast, south, and west and not allowing the tribes to expand beyond the Levites. Jesus is a central person of redemption and the cross is a central symbol of redemption. Jesus died on the cross to pay for the sins of all who would believe. He was buried and the third day he rose again from the dead. What if Moses and Israel had not obeyed these commandments here in Numbers chapter 2? They didn't know what their camp looked like. They couldn't get in an airplane like like I can and fly over stuff and see what it looks like from the air. They couldn't do that. They didn't know what their camp looked like. It was just a bunch of people and, you know, stuff. But we now can look back and we can see how they camped. We can see what it looked like. And if they had not obeyed what God told them to do... We would not have this beautiful picture of redemption in the Old Testament in Numbers, one of the books that people skip over. Keep in mind that sometimes our obedience is for somebody else's benefit. And so Moses and Israel obeyed, but this would have meant nothing to them. Even if they could go up on a mountain and look down, it it wouldn't have made any sense to them oh, I see, we're shaped like a plus sign or whatever they would think it was. But because they were obedient, it benefits us thousands of years later. But we can see even to the children of Israel how they camped in the wilderness. They were preaching, though they didn't realize it, redemption through the cross of Christ. Sometimes our obedience is for somebody else's benefit. Something else about this, you might remember from verse 3 that Judah was on the east. Now that's important because the tabernacle opening faced east. And so this was the way into the presence of God. You know that Jesus was from the line of Judah, right? And what did he say of himself in John fourteen six, I am the way. I am the way. So when you take the Old Testament, you take the New Testament, you do some numerical analysis, you find out God has had one plan, one message. Again, it's all about one thing, God's love for his people and his plan of redemption, which is rooted in his love. And even clear back in Numbers chapter 2, we see a beautiful picture of God's plan of redemption, the symbol of redemption, the cross of Christ. Judah facing east, the way into the tabernacle, the way to God. And Jesus is the way. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, uh, that we have it, that we can understand it, that we can read it. And, Father, we know when we read it, we're blessed. It helps us to grow in your grace and knowledge. Your word says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So the more we read it, the more we hear it, the more we grow. And so we're grateful for that. And Father, we just ask that we would continue to grow in your grace and knowledge, continue to speak to us through your word, by your spirit. Thank you for the privilege of gathering as your people here tonight to sing your praises, to hear your word, to share testimonies. And Father, we ask now as we head out to Eat, uh, that you would nourish our bodies, even though they're hot dogs. Nourish our bodies. Strengthen us for the task that you would have us to accomplish this week to serve you. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name.